Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to listen to Beers, Business, and Balls and thousands of other podcasts today. This is episode 55. I'm Jake, and that's Will, as always. And the name, image, and likeness conversation from last week continues. We've got this week's guest, David Woodley from Playmaker. We teased it a lot last week. We talked about it with Andy Katz to start the conversation. But this is stuff that's not going away, and really good conversation with David to see how name, image, and likeness is going to work in the future and and who can make money off of it, basically. No, it was an interesting conversation because last week with Andy Katz, it was from a different perspective. I mean, he's a broadcaster. He's a journalist. He interviews you know, the coaches and the players. So he hears, he hears it from that perspective. This now flips to the business side of how those partnerships are going to work where that money's coming from, how a brand like Playmaker is getting into the mix. I mean, they already have athlete sponsorships, but not on the college level. So, and the content that's going to be created from that, it's 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 pretty cool stuff that, like you said, it is not going away anytime soon. Homeofplaymakers.com. Um, Playmaker is a wildly popular brand that I actually didn't know about, and neither did you. 12 million followers on yeah. the, across their social pra- uh, platforms. I was like, their Instagram, I mean, over their 3 million. Killing it. They're shredding like, it up on they, Whoa. Yeah, 3.1 mil on Instagram. That's like nuts to have a 12 million uh, follower footprint anywhere. That's really good stuff. I've never heard of them. Yeah, never neither heard had of I. Them. And. But, you know, we're looking at mutuals and stuff. We're like, oh, shit, a lot of people we follow Couple engage people, with yeah. the, They like it, their stuff. You know, they, they comment. They repost. It's This is popular stuff. And, you know, the Playmaker has certainly earned our follow. Uh, go give them a shout on Instagram. It is at Playmaker. And just about everywhere else, homeofplaymakers.com. Uh, so we talk with David Woodley, who is the new chief revenue officer over there. Um, has a bunch of experience in sports, in media, all that good stuff. Um yeah, we were very excited to sit down with him and great conversation. So stick around for that for sure. Um, let's have some beer. Let's have some beer. Let's cheers it off. Uh, we are in the thick of July. It is hot. Um, it was real steamy this weekend, nice and humid. Uh, you and I both got outside a little bit, which is good. What do we have to drink this week? We're going to kick it off to long live. They released a bunch of great stuff. The one that I was most intrigued about, which... Happy enough to grab some cans and try it was a collaboration with Vitamin C and Long Live, two great, great breweries in the New England area. DDHC Life, it's a double Imperial New England IPA, 8.8%. Um, great, great stuff. I mean, this is not a combination you, you want, it's the combination you need because they were just lights out with this it's hazy it's juicy it's full of flavor it's the perfect combination of what long live does and what vitamin c does um it's brewed with galaxy vic secret cashmere and citra 4.25 out of five. Oh shit color right out of the can and right out of the pour bright bright orange that hazy that juicy color the flavor i mean long live just does it again and i mean vitamin c has some great stuff all around so having a combination like that i don't think this is their first and it definitely won't be their last but good good stuff long live really fucked around did it again yeah they did. i this mean this looks we, gorgeous first of all that can is fantastic yeah we got there at 12 o'clock already like a few people there just when it opened up by one o'clock there was a line out the door they were packed on saturday not no food trucks anything they just had solid gold there uh which is i think the normal yeah, solid gold provisions. Think, yeah, I think they're usually there, but sometimes they have the additional food uh, food trucks. But bunch of 
great stuff. They had this blue drink. It was a sour-based beer, oh. but it was also like Hawaiian rum punch, but it was just the beer in it. Um, blue Hawaiian sour pouring off the slushy machine to help you cool yeah. down. And, of course, they have to say well supplies last because that probably went like that. That that was great. Uh, their Frozy Cup, Fruit Cup, another good one. Um, There's a few others I'm, I'm drawing off. The Beach Sailor was another one. Uh, what is it? Call Me and Party Suit, two other like Amer- American Pale Ales. Call Me and, they've yeah. done before. Like, they have done that before. looks familiar. It's like a a can with a kiss on it. Yeah, uh, with the you know the red lips. Beach Sailor is definitely new. Beach Sailor is new. It's interesting because that's an APL, like an American Pale Lager, and that's not usually the area they play in. They play in the shit that shit, you just yeah. mentioned. You know the the double dry hop stuff, the really heavy kind, the of, heavy IPAs right. and the flavorful stouts. Mm-hmm. Like that's their one two go punch, similar to Treehouse yeah, and similar to what like most New England breweries are doing now. Yeah. It's like they kill the IPA game, um, and I think it's the lagers and like. Like everything else that's actually going to round these breweries out and set them apart. You know, you have people like Long Live that are doing the sours. We talk about Long Live every couple of months on this show, probably if not every couple of weeks. Rightfully so, though. Right. And they're, they're a very interesting case because it's like, you know, they've got the New England IPAs. And they just, their portfolio is just so much. They have a fucking arsenal. And you don't see that in Rhode Island a ton. It's actually they also, really cool. They also don't miss. I know, they like, don't it's miss. Not like, it's not like they're pushing out, you know, 20 to 40 beers every year and being like, this is what we're working with. And you're like, ah, this is fine. Or, oh, okay, these are good. Or, okay, that's great. They are, okay, it's great every single time. There, I don't think there has been a beer there in the four years that I've gone that I haven't enjoyed. I would like to think in Rhode Island in the Rhode Island beer scene, I would like to think that I've never really had a bad beer, but at Long Live, I've never, never had, had a beer that's not phenomenal. Yeah. No, that's a thing. Every I mean, beer, you're walking out of there with like a three, seven, five, or four. They and are that's four, what makes... Yeah, they are four pluses easily. That's what makes them so good. It makes them great. It makes them great. They are miles above miles, above miles with the other breweries in the area, and that's no discredit to the other breweries. I mean... Whether it's Narragansett or Newport or uh, Crooked Current, all the uh, proclamation that you name it, like they're all great breweries and they all have great beers. It's just, it's kind of like when you talk about other breweries in Massachusetts. It's like it's Treehouse and Trillium, and then there's and then other great a ones. Lot of sh- yeah, there's other really good ones, but the level between, like, you know, and now there's talks that people are saying Trillium's beer is a bit better than Treehouse, and there's a legitimate case for that. Maybe we'll have to dive into that one day. I think both of them probably, you know, if you stack Long Live up with them, they can compete easily with Trillium and Treehouse. Easily. But I think there's still a little bit, you know, like you throw a double dry hopped IPA by Long Live in the mix with a Trillium double dry hopped IPA, they probably taste almost identical. Yeah, we might have to do that. I think pull out pull out two from Treehouse or a four from Treehouse, four from. Uh, long live same t- same style of beers same stuff and then either blind taste test it or just rank them straight up and be like yeah head-to-head matchup trillium i haven't had in a while i don't know about you i just had a trillium but it was like a fruit beer mm. it was a berlin weiss that was like kind of smoothie context um yeah like it was just like that thick smooth like not a milkshake ipa but kind of like the frozy cup um and it was good i mean that's another thing where we're talking about like these ratings and stuff like that jump between uh, you know, Treehouse and everything else or Long Live and everything else. I was t- making that comparison with like Untapped. It's the jump from 3.75 to four, I think is make or break. I think a I four agree. is you're worth the drive and worth like waiting in line. The 3.75 is obviously very good, 
but it, that jump is like bigger than four to four to five. It's, you know, Hey, maybe if I see it at a liquor store, I'll grab it. Yeah. That's I mean, it. that's what I do when I go to, you know, whether it's a liquor store or we go up to New Hampshire and look at those different beers. It's like, I go and untapped real quick and say, okay, what are people saying? Because I'm not going to waste 20 bucks on a four pack for a 3.5 beer. Mm -hmm. We do that everywhere now. It's like any beer that I'm even ordering off a menu anywhere comes from untapped. It's does do people say it's good. I did that with my dad a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I don't, don't get that beer. People hate it. He yeah. was like, oh shit, really? How do you know? And a lot of these breweries now have the partnership with untapped. Mm -hmm. So you see their live board. It's like, what are people drinking? It's like, oh shit, like 500 people today grabbed this double IPA. Yeah. It's a 4.25. I'm going to grab that. And that's make a connection to the interview we had with um with greg greg avola yeah greg avola uh from untapped and that was what they were trying to do in the first place they're trying to crowdsource beer information and they finally got there and it's really cool to see the restaurants run their menus from untapped software out of the brewery mm -hmm. and you know greenport was one of the first uh, breweries that i saw do that and i'm like holy shit that's really cool then they start popping up everywhere everywhere they're in restaurants they're in beer bars they're in regular bars they're everywhere and they're almost like you know, pivoting to a point of sale, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, all right, we've got our menu. We've got like the technology that backs it. And then we can start selling shit out of here. I would have to say though, the one thing that I feel like breweries and businesses are missing the, um, missing it on untapped is the interactions. I don't think they interact well with each other. Like I used to last year, the year before have breweries like cheers you on the stuff or say like, thanks for coming. And that's like something small, but it's similar as like, if you post on Instagram and they repost your story, or they like something that you're tagged and you're like, oh, yep. thanks for stopping by. But if they like, if they went into that untapped market, because you're using untapped if you're a true craft beer lover. I get it. Untapped market. That's a, that's <laughs> well, a yeah. nice. There but here like, all night. Yeah. Folks. But like Instagram, like everyone and their mother is going to use Instagram. Right. And same with Twitter. But untapped are your true craft beer like maniacs, the people that like are going there for like specific hand drops and are going there to like rate your beer and stuff. Interact them like, hey. Thanks for giving us a four on untapped. Like here's a $10 gift card for the next time you right. come. Here's then a, you get a forever customer. Exactly. Here's 50% off a four pack or something. You know? And then and you're like, like, oh shit, I'm only going to go to that brewery because they treated me like a goddamn king exactly. when I walked in. I gave exactly. them a four on a beer. Who's to say I'm not going to love that one? They're going to, you know, it, it, it's influencer marketing with like regular people. Exactly. Because again, like their markup, you get a, if I come in and they say like long live hits me up on untapped and they're like, Hey, thanks for giving this like a 4.5 out of five next beer is on us. Right. For them. I mean, for me, it's what six, seven bucks for them. It's nothing. And you get someone that's like, wow, that was pretty cool. Thanks for remembering, uh, memory. Thanks for remembering me, excuse me. And thanks for also like, just like supporting with my contact and uh, content and interacting with it. I'll come here forever. Right. And my, I'm thinking about this as you're talking. I'm like, well, you know, what if people lie about it and stuff? Here's an easy way to prove it. Just show them your damn phone. Show yeah. them the review where you left it and maybe, you know, maybe the rules you have to comment on it or something. Give it a good review. You get a free beer. Yeah. There you go. Every bartender will be like, sure. Okay, cool. You get but it doesn't even have to be like a promoted thing. It's just like if people are on, on, on untapped and say like, oh, wow, I had a great double IP. I'm going to yeah. give it a four out of five. It's like, I just see like, okay, who checked in on Saturday? Oh, Jake Zimmer right here just gave this beer a four out of five. I'm all for it. All right, I'm going to give him a free beer the next time. Sounds like something I would do. And I free beer, you know, I'll, I'll do anything to get free beer. I would. You make me come back. Mm -hmm. You make me feel like I spent my money well and I'm going to your place on a Saturday rather than somewhere else. I think the main takeaway here is just like give people free beer. Uh, that works. That always will get people in the door. Yeah. Um, 
No, but I I'm, I hear you. Like that's I I if someone did that for me, I'd I, like even in Massachusetts, I'd go make the drive for it. You know, yeah. like oh shit, that's forty five minutes away. But yeah, they gave me they gassed me up. They gave me a free beer. Fine, I'm done. Like uh, this is my place, and I know I'm gonna go out of my way to yeah. get that beer sometime. Or like even if you're like going away for a weekend, like whether it's like Portland True. or Vermont and stuff, and it's like you're there for three days, and you go to a place that's like, hey, come back tomorrow for a free beer. Yeah, I want to try other things, but I'd be cool. like, I'm We've not got gonna, our plans tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not gonna miss out on a free beer. Mm-hmm. If, it, if everyone's on the same page, you're like, oh shit, you know, they pff, we can go right back for a yeah. free beer. All right, don't have plans tomorrow. Maybe stop in on the way home. A couple of couple of sodas beforehand. Drink responsibly, of course. Make sure you're not driving the car. But yes, I, I like that. It's the little things. It is. We solved Untapped. Untapped, please acquire us. Um, I will go to newport rhode island this week i went to the brick alley pub for the first time in a long time i don't even know that i had ever been there but brick alley yeah yeah so brick alley pub right on um i guess you can call it america's cup boulevard um in newport right on the main strip um you know not too bad of food i had a salad uh and i'm looking at the beer menu i'm like shit you know it's like hot what can I have that's just going to cool me off, right? Like, I, I didn't want anything like a like some kind of pasta dish or a steak or anything like that. Like, I just wanted a cold salad and, like, an ice-cold beer. And I just said, fuck it, I'm getting the Brick Alley house ale. I took a total shot, and I saw it said gray sale next to it, so I'm like, all right, can't be that bad. And it wasn't that bad. Um, 4.9% very light lagers in untapped as a homebrew right now because they don't even release it. Hmm. They just make they make the ale at Great Sales Facility in Westerly. They ship it over to Brick Alley Pub, and they just keg it and serve it, basically. So I was like, screw it. I can't get this anywhere else. Why not? Um, it was exactly what I expected, honestly. Like, just a, a really uh, a really basic lager, honestly, if, you know, kind of a couple steps above a Bud Light. But there are some days that you just need that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was the day where I'm like, oh, my God, it's 82 degrees outside, but it feels like it's 100. Like, it's humid. I've been walking. You know, we probably did about two or three miles before that. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. I will give it a situational 3.5. That's what you're going to get out of those. <laughs> but anytime else, I'd give it a 3.25, I think. Yeah. The three five only, and I say situational because that's the situation I was in. It's like... Wait, there are times where you just don't want to eat your beer. Yeah. And you and I love eating our beer, you know, those seven to 8% beers, but I'm like, I just, I don't want this to sit in my stomach all day when I know I'm going to be walking. Um, I liked it. It was, you know, here's to the lagers because you can have a, a great IPA, basically any craft beer you, any craft brewery you can go to, but the people that know how to lager, you know, it's, it just hits. It just hits sometimes, and that's what it did for me. So give me a, a situational 3-5 on a Brick Alley house sale by Graysale. Summer beers. I, I like when the uh, restaurants start brewing their own beer. I think that's a... Is that a, nice? I think that's a cool thing. Yeah. Because nice. it's just like they're exploring too. They might like hit gold on something and just like, hey, you know, we have, we're onto something and people like this beer. And any, anytime you go, you're also like, well, shit, like I can't get this anywhere else. I'm not going to be able to get this anywhere but the Brick Alley Pub. So, like, why not? And that's what Bar in New Haven did. They do that. And then, so they did that for 15 years, and then they just packed their shit up. We were talking about Brewport a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, that's the same vibe. It's like, I'm going to Bar for the Bar beer. And, 
you know, that ended up with Brewport, obviously, but it, it was, it, that, I love when people do that. Exclusivity factor, good mm-hmm. selling tactic. So that's beer. We've got a lot of it to drink. End of July, we're approaching that, like, you know, it's almost Oktoberfest season. Almost, almost there. We're, we've got, like, probably three, four weeks before you start to see the Oktoberfest beers hit the shelf. And, man, all September is going to be fun um, with that kind of shit. Talk about lagers. But let's go into our business segment now. Uh, we will run our interview with David Woodley from Playmaker, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Chief Revenue Officer. Playmaker, uh, hard to explain. They have their hands dipped in a lot. Uh, They are a leader in sports and entertainment content creation. They have taken a new endeavor in representing athletes. Uh, Carlos Boozer is a big one. He's going to name a bunch more that they represent currently. And now diving into the world of college athletics and representation. Really good stuff from Playmaker. David Woodley's here to talk about it with us. Here he is. All right, everybody, with us this week, we have the chief content officer and the chief revenue officer of a company called Playmaker. Playmaker is a sports media events and merchandise company with over 12 million followers across all social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, you name it. They have original shows on Snapchat Discover. They also represent over 30 current and former athletes across the board, NBA, NFL, NHL athletes, um, including Nate Robinson and Carlos Boozer, some of our favorite Knicks. David Woodley, he joins us the show. Uh, Dave, first and foremost, how you doing? And uh, welcome to the BBB podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, yeah, no, doing doing well. Uh, like we were saying before the show, staying, staying pretty busy here. Uh, so I'm still getting ramped up, I think, in like week seven or eight uh, with Playmaker. Awesome. So fairly new to the role and we're going to cover not what you do, with, not only what you do with Playmaker, but what you've done in the past. So kind of give us a rundown of this impressive resume. Uh, we've seen you've had multiple leadership roles, whether it was with Watch Mojo, The Onion, Blue Wire podcast and more. Uh, so what was your original plan of action when you were at the University of Oklahoma and you were deciding on what you wanted to do, who David Woodley wanted to become um, and what world he wanted to enter? Yeah, man, that's a to throw back. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry to uh, beat you here, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, it's cool. Uh, I haven't talked about college in a minute. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I didn't really go to college with a plan. I was like an engineering major for like the first year, year and a half. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really know why. I, I guess my dad is an engineer and uh, you know, you can make a few bucks in it and all that, but uh, very quickly, I, I, I didn't really dig the math. I didn't really like, working that hard on the math I kind of like the more social aspects of, of college so um I sort of bounced around I, I got into like construction science for a while I didn't really dig that a whole lot then eventually got into like economics which which was I found very interesting um didn't really know what I wanted to do sort of with it but uh you know just stuck with it uh, I graduated got like a minor in Mandarin Chinese um which I never used so that was a lot of a lot of effort for nothing. Um, that was like the hardest, the hardest <laughs> courses and the most I've ever studied in my life, just to break a C, you know, C average in, in Mandarin, uh, which, which sort of brought the GPA down <laughs> across the board, yeah. but it was, it was fun. You know, I thought, I thought maybe I'd want to go to China, uh, and work and I actually got a couple offers over there, but, uh, I don't know. It, it was too far. I had like, uh, grandparents were sort of sick at that time. And, you know, you don't want to be like too far mm-hmm. when something inevitably goes sort of South. Uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I, you know, during, during college, I, I worked around a lot of boat boats and stuff like in high school and college. So I, I, you know, wanted to potentially get into that industry, but 
being in Oklahoma for college, I'd really didn't align too well there. And, uh, <laughs> and then my, my senior year, right before my senior year, uh, I, I took an inter- internship in New York City uh, for the city, helping them run their marinas division. Um, and, and really what I sort of learned at that point is I just wanted to move to New York. Uh, so basically my last semester at college, um, during like the, you know, expansive interview process, you know, during like an economic downturn, probably not the smartest strategy, but, but I basically went in there and everyone I interviewed with, I, you know, I sort of told them I'd only take a job contingent on, uh, moving me to, uh, New York, uh, or, or Seattle. Cause I, I grew up in Seattle for a while and really liked it. Um, so yeah, I really have a plan. You know, I was like sports and got on with a company that, uh, you know, was like high-end construction tools and construction equipment called Hilti. Um, did that in Queens, New York for like a year and a half. Uh, you know, it went through some changes and some downsizing and stuff and I was still there, but I wasn't super pumped because they, they transferred me to like Staten Island. Uh, yeah. Oh awful, yeah. Like, Lovely. Yeah. Awful, <laughs> awful shitty commute. Like they, I had to rent a car every Monday and drive down. And it was like, man, it was like three, four hours a day. Oh my minimum. God. Commuting. Uh, and you know, I was kind of frustrated one night and I was out, uh, having a few beers friend. I picked up an onion newspaper and it said it was hiring. So yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> called them up, got a job. Uh, I got into the media business, really liked it. Uh, and you know, from there, uh, you know, it was print, uh, local print. So, uh, that was sort of a dying industry as well, but it sort of got my, my, uh, foot in the door, uh, with, with sort of media and all that. Uh, bounced around a few places and, and ended up in uh, online media, uh, which which is sort of my focus, you know, which was sort of a, a goal of mine. Uh, it's, you know, where sort of the money was flowing, uh, you know, got on with a company called, uh, I'm jumping around a bit, but got on with a company called uh, Big Lead Sports. Uh, at the same time, I was I was working for Gawker Media, doing some consulting for them and some other some other stuff with a couple of their properties. Um, so it sort of started my jump into doing a million things at once, which which I kind of enjoyed. Um, and, uh, yeah, big league sports was, it was great. It was originally called fantasy sports ventures. And we pivoted to big lead sports because, uh, we bought a website called the big lead. Um, and it was just a collection of like 600 websites, mostly focused around fantasy sports. Uh, and then that was all, all sort of packaged up in a network, taking in advertisers, uh, you know, doing premium sort of subscription content, uh, stuff like that. I, I really, really enjoyed it, uh, cause I was such a big fantasy sports player. And that sort of gave me the itch to uh, go start my own company called Gate F. Uh, that's like 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago. Uh, and Gate F was a uh, sports app that we created to sort of connect displaced fans. Uh, so, you know, be, me being a Minnesota fan in New York, the idea was like, hey, it'd be really cool to know where other Minnesota fans are hanging out and watching games. And it also, uh, you know, dumped people in when, when you check into a game. It would dump you in a private chat with like you and your friends, which sounds really dumb these days because, you know, like group chats and stuff exists. But like, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago, like the, the group chat function on like the iPhone, like it really didn't exist. Uh, and when it did, it was like very clunky uh, and things of that nature. So we sort of like <laughs> invented like a micro community around that. And, you know, people got in there, they started chatting. Uh, we did stuff with venues as well, where, um, you know, if you if you checked in to the venue, they could give you some, you know, sort of rewards and stuff, but, but then tie it in to actual events that happen in the games. The idea is you could go to the bar, check into a game. And if, you know, if uh, David Ortiz hit a home run, it would trigger some sort of special, like, you know, six wings for free or like $2 Miller Lite, uh, mm-hmm. something of that nature. Um, 
Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good idea. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, looking back, you know, I mean, we bootstrapped it, you know, not, there was like four partners and none of us really had much money. So we just bootstrapped it. And I was, I was focusing probably 80% of my time on it. Uh, and yeah, you know, we, we picked up a little momentum, uh, but, but getting to scale on an app based company is extremely tough and extremely expensive. And then it was also kind of like the boom during all this as well. So we, we realized we needed to raise some money. Uh, we tried, um, we had someone on the hook for a half million dollars, which would have been really, really great. And then, uh, yeah, when the, when the day came to, uh, sort of officially sign and write the check, um, that person, uh, sort of did a 180 and, and bailed, uh, oh. which is just a very awesome lesson, uh, that, that you sort of take with you for a long time. Uh, but he's great. I mean, I, we're still, I'm, I'm still, you know, have a very good professional relationship with him and everything there as well. So, um, you know, that was a bit of a kick in the ass. So I, I decided I had to, you know, sort of get back to the work and, and make some money to pay the bills um, and all that. I went to a company called Blip TV, which was online video and was sort of my jump into online video. Uh, we got bought by Maker Studios, uh, which which was sort of doing what we were doing, but at a much larger scale, uh, YouTube influencers, all that. And then we got bought by Disney, which was great. It was like, a, you know, I went through like two big acquisitions in the span of like a year. Um you know, stubbornly, I decided to, you know, I don't want to work for Disney. I wanted to sort of keep at startups. Uh, you know, I, I never saw myself as someone in the corporate world. So left it, went to another sports company called Send to News, which is a sports video company. And then I um, was there for a minute. And then an opportunity opened at Watch Mojo, which was a, uh, or which is a, you know, huge media company. Uh, when I joined them, it was just only YouTube, uh, you know, top 10 channels, stuff like that. Uh, you know, very healthy business. Uh, Canadian company. I was uh, sort of their first and only hire in the U.S. for a long time. I went there, ran the revenue side of you know things with the uh, advertising partners, licensing partners, you know what have you. And then as that grew over, uh, you know, five six years, uh, you know, we expanded out. We we got on Snap, started making money that way. Facebook started making money that way. Like the channel grew from like a you know the main channel grew from like six to like you know like twenty six twenty seven million. Uh, subscribers by the sort of my end of the run there uh there was a without diving too much into it there there was there was something good that happened uh to the company that sort of uh you know made it you know gave me a, a bit of flexibility uh in, in everything there as well so uh sort of during this time i had met the playmaker crew uh they had originally approached me about investment I helped them bring on a couple, uh, you know, investors, make a few introductions there. I, I invested uh, some money myself and then really just started helping them. You know, I, I introduced them to some people, like brought them in a couple of deals just on the investor side of things. Uh, but, but over those couple of months, um, I really, you know, I really got to know the team. Uh, you know, I, I obviously invest in them, so I like the business, but, but I got, I got, you know, even sort of more excited there, sort of, uh, you know, talking to them, you know, once, twice a week, uh, seeing how the market responded to them. Uh, everything like that. So then a couple months in, you know, we sort of had a conversation around, you know, Hey, like this might be a good time for me to step back and watch Mojo, you know, interested in potentially coming in consulting here or, or working here. And then uh, like, that conversation, it lasted like four days. And I think like, <laughs> like a week later uh, we, we, we came up, uh, you know, sort of came to a, um, a solution, but uh, came to the conclusion that it would be a good idea for me to come on as sort of chief revenue officer and also chief content officer. Um, you know, sort of two titles are kind of, you know, it's kind of weird, but, um, 
you know, again, at like a content-based content based company, um, that's where a lot of the revenue comes from, right? Like when you're working with partners such as, you know, YouTube and Snap and Facebook and Instagram TV, uh, a lot of those revenues coming from those uh, platforms directly. And even when you're selling direct sponsorship and doing, and doing all that stuff, um, you know, you're selling on those platforms and everything there as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm in charge of all the content there, uh, revenue uh, as well. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, that's sort of where we are today. So let's right. dive into to Playmaker a bit more. Um, quote here is, we represent playmakers in sports and the surrounding culture. So give our listeners a quick elevator pitch of Playmaker and explain, uh, you know, you, you kind of explain what you did, but where do you fit um, into this market as such that, you know, it's so different from any other media companies that are currently around? Yeah, I mean... So in a nutshell, yeah, I mean, we're, we're a sports company for Gen Z um, and sort of like the younger millennials. And again, a lot of people say that, but I think we actually are. If you look at the actual content we, we cover, most importantly, like we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, by go, like create our own website and try to drive people there. We're going where, where the sports fans are. We're huge on Instagram, uh, huge on Snap, uh, huge on TikTok. Um, and then, uh, you know, Facebook and, and YouTube, uh, pretty big there, but, but to a lesser extent. Um, it, it's, it's, it's creating content and, and doing content series that, you know, that, that younger audience, uh, you know, will like, you know, we're focused on the sports. They like, you know, a lot of basketball, a lot of hoops, um, you know, some, some sort of extreme sports, things like that, you know, some football, but um, you know, to my chagrin uh, you know, baseball absolutely tanks uh, on, on, on our channel. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> absolutely tanks uh, and, and, and things like that. So, you know, where we sort of are, are different in my opinion is, you know, we, we have the media side, which is uh, fairly large and in a big, you know, part of my focus, but, you know, we, we also have, uh, you know, the event side, which is we're kicking off with a couple of big events here in Q3, Q4. Um, one's a boxing event. One's a one-on-one basketball tournament that we're very excited about. Uh, merch is actually how the company started. Um, I'm, I didn't wear this for, for this, uh, for this podcast. I just, it's a comfortable shirt, but you know, we sell a ton of playmaker gear. Like the, the brand itself is like strong enough that, um, these young kids and, and young adults are like buying this gear and like wearing it. And it just has playmaker and has some of our sayings on it. And again, that was something that really opened my eyes uh, when I was first talking to these guys about investing. It was like, it's, it's tough. It's tough to get people to like buy to buy your gear and like wear it sort of proudly and like, you know, think it's cool and design, you know, the fashion's cool and, and all that. Uh, and, and on the merch side, we also work with a number of our athletes and a, a number of athletes that aren't directly under us to do like merch collaborations and, and stuff like that. So I know we're going to touch on the NIL here in a bit, but you know, we're, we're, we're going to be doing some stuff for the college players. We're already doing a bunch of stuff uh, for a lot of our current players. Uh, Xavier Howard, you know, we have a pretty good merch line with him, you know, working on the Boozer stuff and the Nate Robinson stuff, uh, all that. And then, um, you know, again, this, I think it makes this a bit different. And then we also have the, the talent side as well, where, we, you know, you touched on it. Uh, we directly um, represent uh, 30 plus, uh, you know, current slot or X, uh, NBA, NFL players, a couple of NHL guys, like one MLS guy and a few influencers. But um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're their sort of official marketing reps. Um, you know, we're not dealing with our current players. We're not dealing with their contracts. We're not, we're not what you would consider like a traditional agent. Somebody we may, but, but it's not a big focus as far as we sort of know where we're successful in. And, 
you know, with those players, it can be something as simple as like doing their endorsements, you know, doing appearances and stuff like that. Uh, but we're creating like content series around them. Uh, you know, a lot of those live on Snap and, and IGTV uh, where, you know, again, we're, we're producing uh, strong content, telling a story, uh, you know, about them. Like the first one we did was the one with Nate Robinson, his road to the fight where he fought uh, Jake Paul. Um, and it did great. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, the celebrity boxing influencer boxing thing is obviously like huge now. Um, we're, we're getting involved in our sort of unique way as well, but, uh, you know, Nate and Jake are the ones that sort of kicked that off. And like, it was Nate's journey there was, was great. You know, he didn't have boxing training and, you know, he, he, he got his training. Um, you know, he made the fight, uh, you know, it, it sort of went how it went, but it was, it was overall very successful in Denver, sorry, endeavor across, across the you know space like Nate, you know, he, he did well. Um, you know, we did well by creating the series. He got a ton of engagement, sort of put our name out there, like proved ourselves to snap. And then it allowed us to sort of kick off um, a bunch of other programs under the snap umbrella through the discover platform with, you know, Tyree kill, um, you know, an influencer named destroying um, and then, uh, you know, several other athletes and, and all that as well. So that wasn't the elevator pitch, but, but I think that <laughs> it sort of describes how, how we are different uh, than, than some of the other media companies that sort of go after Gen Z uh, and everything there as well. Like we're, we're creating content specifically for them. It's not all just like clip based and stuff like that. We are, we are like, putting a lot of effort uh, behind, uh, you know, scripted and, and well-done series, um, you know, about these teams, about these athletes, about these influencers. Um, and for instance, we, we, we do 20 episodes a week right now on Snap, which is a pretty heavy uh, amount of content when, when you sort of look across the board. It's just not, you know, and we do the memes and clips and all that stuff on other platforms. But, um, you know, really our bread and butter is, is telling these stories that uh, our audience obviously wants to hear and likes to hear. Right on. So in terms of like physical content, where are you deciding, you know, what gets made and what doesn't in terms of attracting this Gen Z individual, your, your target, your target market? What, what does the conversations look like in the room of people being like, we need to focus on Nate Robinson's story on creating the fight, or we need to pivot towards these different snap videos. What do those conversations look like? <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're just constantly ongoing. Um, yeah, I'd say like once every three weeks, we have like an official call for it. You know, we have like docs floating around and, and everything there as well. But it's really a collaboration between everyone in, in the company. Um, you know, it's free flowing ideas. It, you know, I think we're really good about encouraging everyone to speak their mind, come up with ideas. And there's no like egos involved either, right? Like there's no, I've been there just a minute, but I, I sort of have like the fancy title. But like, I, I personally like, I think the idea can come from anywhere and I, I think we should support the ideas from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Brandon, who's our founder, who, you know, this is his baby. Uh, you know, you, you guys have a company, like, you, you know, how personal it is to you guys and everything too. He obviously has ideas too, but he, he welcomes feedback on everything. Uh, you know, he wants the ideas coming from everyone in the company, no matter the role, you know, if it's, even if it's someone day to day that they're just doing like video production, right. Or they're doing the actual filming and stuff. A lot of those ideas come from directly. So, We'll have a call every three weeks to sort of go over those. But, you know, we have a number of, uh, you know, group chats uh, via iPhone or cell phone and ideas just sort of get constantly, you know, thrown out, uh, you know, here and there. And again, we, we sort of compile them a list. And we say, OK, like these are the five we want to sort of try out next. Um, you know, we green light them. The green light process is pretty quick, pretty simple. If someone throws out a good idea like tonight and it looks good, we'll green light it and we could have a uh, a. Um, 
a pilot done in like a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, and then, and, you know, sort of, sort of go from there. So really it's collaborative. Everyone in the company does it, uh, you know, contributes there. And then, you know, we launch it and, you know, we give it a bit of time, but you know, if, if, um, the idea is not taken off right away with the audience, uh, you know, we, we try to do some edits and we try to listen to the audience and, and go to the data and, and see what we're doing wrong. And then, um, you know, if we're still not getting it, uh, we, 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 we kill the idea, you know, we, we say, Hey, like it was a good idea. We thought it would work, but you know, if, if anyone was batting a thousand on creative content ideas, like we wouldn't be on this call right now. We'd be oh, like, retired. Right, yeah. I, like, I like, you know, even, even, I don't know, even like Disney has some duds from time to time. Like everyone has duds, like, you know, so it's, it's fine. And I think we sort of embrace the failure in that way as well. So if someone kicks over an idea they like, and we green light it, like there's no negative things that happen if the thing bombs out, like some of, some of the strongest ideas that I've had personally have bombed out. Like some of the strongest ideas of the entire company feels strong about bomb out. And then some of the ones were sort of mediocre on uh, end up uh, being what the kids call bangers. And we're just like, okay, we're going to roll with this. We created a successful series now. And yeah, we're all geniuses. You know, we, we all thought this was going to be uh, great, great from day one. So uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. So, so uh, the current media landscape right now, it's obviously changing quite a bit. Um, do you think, and obviously media in general and content creation is not dying itself, but the way it is right now, do you think that it's, you know, sustainable what these content creators are doing right now? Are they going to need to evolve? You know, is the current media landscape quote unquote dying or maybe compromised or, uh, you know, how do you see it evolving? Yeah. I mean, it's like the million dollar question. Uh, and again, that's one of those that, you know, we ask you and you, if you have the answer, you could probably retire tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is always, I mean, it's not new though. Uh, you know, it is evolving and stuff. And everyone's like, Oh, what are these whippersnapper kids doing? And like these personalities and all that, like, you know, personality has been here a long time. I mean, it's like YouTube. I don't know how long ago YouTube, what, like 15 years ago. And yeah, then, probably like I was at, you know, I was at blip and, and maker and both of them had around like years before I joined there. And this, you know, this is almost a decade ago. Right. So it's like, you know, the sort of influencer, the rise of the influencer and the, you know, whatever they call it, like the creator movement or whatever. It's like, it's been, it's been done. I mean, it, it's been here for a while. Like it's not, it's not new. It has like staying power. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just like, you know, pe people like watching good content at the end of the day. Right. And there's the, the, you know, the internet has been, you know, a godsend to, you know, people that are smart enough to sort of get ahead of things, uh, you know, for a long time, like the companies that media companies that embraced the internet early on, like survived the ones that didn't like really struggled, like the brick and mortar stores that embraced it early on, like did well. And the, the ones that didn't struggle and, and you've, you know, you've seen it as, as it's evolved, right? Like people are on the internet, then like, you know, then YouTube comes along and people don't, you know, like, well, why would we put our stuff on YouTube for free when we can have it on TV or, or et cetera. And the ones again, that embraced it early on, like did, did well. Um, I think you've seen that in the sports landscape as well. I don't think there's, you know, the NBA is more exciting than major league baseball in general, but you know, the NBA really, I think embraced like letting people take their highlights and share them on Twitter and, and to a lesser extent, YouTube and some of the other platforms. And like, you know, again, major league baseball, like they were too busy trying to sue everybody <laughs> that was like taking a clip and, and sharing a, you know, home run of, um, I'm trying to think of a good player like who was like five six years ago like you know Bryce anybody Harper, on the, anybody yeah, on the yeah. twins you know I was, I was waiting for a twins player to come out of your mouth <laughs> Nelson <see>. Cruz <laughs> well, Joe Mauer yeah. you know Michael Kadire somebody like that 
Yeah, no, there's some throwback. Yeah, but no, exactly. And, you know, I think the NBA sort of embraced social media before anybody, anybody else did, and that's why they survived. And, then, again, like the, the brands that did not embrace social media early on, like, sort of failed. Um, and, and so I guess what I'm saying is, like, moving forward, it's, it's yeah, it's always going to be evolving and changing. Uh, but, you know, the, the ones that continue to try new things and go where, like, quote-unquote kids are going – are going to continue to be, you know, successful again. Like TikTok's a perfect example. TikTok's been around like what now for like two, three years, and before that it was like bike dance and, and all that. And you know, like right now, all of a sudden, like brands like, oh, like we're gonna, or you know, publishers like we're gonna get into TikTok. It's like where all the kids are. It's like yeah, but you know, like another year, like something else is gonna, you know, pop up and 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 all that. And I think it's it's staying on top of it. It's staying ahead of the curve there. Um, you know, and and like the media companies that have done it are, are thriving. Um. I think like Bleacher Report's a, a great example of that. Like, you know, if you look at what Bleacher was, you know, sort of early on, um, you know, they had a bunch of kids like writing articles for them and everything. And then, you know, they, they, get, they got bought by Turner and all that. Uh, and it could have went one or two ways. Like it could have just sort of stayed the same and sort of died um, as, as what happens a lot of times when, when companies buy sort of established startups like that. But, you know, Bleach Report, you know, they did House of Highlights and all that. They're strong on all the platforms and TikTok and all that. And like, they're, they're not going anywhere. Um, and I think you, you see these companies uh, that have been really successful in the space, too. I think, like, you know, Wave TV, you know, for instance, like, they're, they're you know, they're huge. I mean, they're, they're doing, a, you know, they're doing a great job. They have, like, massive numbers. And it's because um, th- they know how to hit a younger audience. They know where they're at. You know, Snap, you know, Snap, IG, but, you know, Snap and TikTok a lot. And when you go where that audience is, um, you know, it, it, it works. And like, you know, the content you do and the content we do, it doesn't it, like, I don't, I don't need it to impress like my peers in the industry, right? I'm in my mid thirties. Like I, I really don't care um, if, if it's like content they want to engage with or whatnot. Like for us, it's really about, does that, does that kid, you know, 16 to 24, 25, like, is this the content they want to see? Um, and they do. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's like the same adage too, of like, you know, 10 years ago when people started making money, you know, streaming themselves playing video games. Like it's, it's people still talk about it now. Like this just happened like two weeks ago. Um, and like 10 years ago, people would be like, well, you know what the, you know, what the hell is this? Like, you know, why would anyone watch this? Why would anyone watch this guy play a video game? It's so stupid, but it didn't really matter. Like people could like drown out that noise and be like, well, like the 18 year old kid likes it. And he's engaging with this like six, seven, eight hours a day. So, you know, we're, we're going to double down in that area. So um, yeah, it's going to continue to evolve. Uh, you know, some media companies will fail, some will succeed, and then a lot of new ones will, will come in the space. And, you know, there'll be two years from now, there'll be like another playmaker that, you know, hopefully will be in the position to acquire. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it'll evolve. It, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And in terms of playmaker now, you're sitting at, you know, a C-level position you are part of that future vision of the company. And obviously we kind of just touched upon about further evolution. Like we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what next year is going to bring in terms of content or ideas. But in your eyes though, where do you see the direction of Playmaker going? I mean, this following is huge amongst the brand. It has over 12 million followers across the platform, but where would you like to see Playmaker be at the end of the year or in the next five years? Yeah, I mean... We're really focused on sort of the sort of more near term uh, in, in a lot of aspects, because, again, like in this space, when we're on these platforms where we're hitting that younger audience, um, you know, we have like a five year plan, but it, it's tough. Like nobody, you know, like especially in, in this 
world, like who knows what the landscape looks like in, in five years. And it's not like cop out. It's just like, you know, is IGTV going to still be the thing or is, are people going to sort of age into it? It's like, you know, look at Facebook. Like I was in college when Facebook came out, I was like a sophomore and it's like, okay, this is cool. And like, you know, the only reason we still use it is because like we were on it early on. Like I, I, there's no young kids on that. Like there's no college kids on it anymore. Like they, they have everything else to go on. So, you know, is there a question of like, Hey, does IG eventually grow like that as well? Where in like five years, like nobody under the age of like 25 is on it. Maybe, maybe not like, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, TikTok, same thing in like five years, there could be something sort of new for the quote unquote kids there as well. So we're not, we're not really too worried about five years out. We know that we're going to continue to go, uh, you know, where their, those audiences are going and, and where they want to consume content. Um, and all that. Uh, but but really in the near term, uh, we have sort of three uh, major focuses coming up here pretty quick that, that I'm overseeing a lot of. Um, and then one that I guess everyone's sort of overseeing, but uh, you know, the first of which, which we're launching um, this week, later this week, uh, is, is our sports betting vertical. Um, obviously, uh, you know, with the laws that changed, you know, a while ago, people talk like sports betting getting legal was like something that happened again, like last year, it's, it's been around, it's been around a while uh, and it's just a massive market. Uh, you know, we, we've already started pumping out some content, uh, on our playmaker betting channel. We know we've grown that sort of organically sort of under the radar, uh, for the last few months. And, um, we're going live with, um, 12 original programs for it. Uh, you know, we're working with some content creators that already have a, you know, they already know what they're doing. They already have a good audience. We're bringing them into the playmaker betting, uh, family. Um, we're trying to go about it in a different way. Uh, we're sort of taking the longer view there and, you know, it's not about selling picks. Uh, it's not about jamming, you know, Hey, you need to go bet this or bet that, or, you know, here's the odds and this and that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to really build a, um, community, uh, that, that values the content we, we, we are giving them. So like we have three pillars, um, infotainment, you know, we're here to entertain, we're here to get content people want to engage with. So that's personalities. You know, that's talking about the games It's breaking down the games, uh, education, uh, which is two or threefold, um, you know, it's, it's teaching, uh, people how to bet, um, you know, big sports fans like us, like, you know, we know what a spread is. We know what an over-under is. We know like the pitfalls and parlay prop bets, all that. Uh, but you know, there's, there's a, you know, there's an audience out there that's just a sports fan. And, um, you know, if you've ever been to Vegas and placed a sports bet, like the first time you go there, it can be a little intimidating, right. With like the big board and people online and, you know, like what's the VIG and, you know, like how do I actually bet on the team to win versus bet on the team to win by seven and a half, uh, you know, we, we want to sort of educate people sort of from that base level. And then, you know, once they sort of get into betting, if they want to, um, you know, we want to educate them into being better betters. And, and, you know, frankly, we're not going out there with us like, Hey, you know, a good way to make money is to, you know, get like a 10 team parlay and turn a hundred bucks into 30,000. Uh, but it's really like, you know, it's going to take a while for you to break even, and you may never break even, but it can still, you know, can still have a lot of value to you if it adds entertainment to the game, you know, if it makes it more social between you and your friends. Uh, but, you know, there, there's going to be like tips there as well, like bankroll management, you know, things to look for, how to, how to shop lines, um, you know, where to look at prop bets, which sometimes give you more favorable of an edge. And, you know, re really, I think sort of train people to be like, okay, like you're going to come on this journey with us. You're going to start betting, um, you know, and, and the key with everything is like, you know, keep becoming better. Like maybe you'll break even someday, maybe you'll make money someday. But even if not, like, hey, wouldn't it be great if you, you're, you know, your $10,000 bankroll, it lasted you, you know, 18 months instead of like nine months or six months or, or, or something like that. So again, that's, I think it's a bit different than, than someone, the sports books are definitely doing. 
and then sort of what some of the other publishers are doing and sort of what they're sort of putting out there as well. And then the last pillar is uh, storytelling or stories. Uh, so we're going to be telling a lot of, you know, fun stories from the world of betting. Um, you know, that includes bad beats. Uh, that includes just sort of unknown sort of stories that people haven't heard of. Like we're going to let people send in their own stories about like sort of epic wins or bad beats or sort of like enjoyable type things, you know, like maybe they were at the sports book and sitting next to Pete Rose and he was going all like degenerate and freaking out over a, <laughs> you know, a pick six. That's actually my story, but um, we'll see. We'll see if that makes the cut uh, for a thing. So yeah, you know, it's, it's three pillars there. Um, obviously our end game is to, you know, work with, we're already working with BetMGM. you know, we're talking to all the other, uh, you know, sort of major players in this, in this space. And like, you know, again, our end game is to get people on board, like, you know, eventually send them to our, our advertisers and, and betting partners, but, you know, send them over, you know, someone that isn't just going to go deposit $10,000, lose in a month. And then, you know, <laughs> never come back again, you know, create marital problems with their wife, all that. Like we, we want the people that are going to, you know, go and play there, you know, for 20, 30 years, you know, continue to get better, you know, the sports book is still going to make their money, but it becomes sort of more of a, you know, this is added value to a game. It's, it's enjoyable to throw 50 bucks, hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever your bankroll is, you know, on a game because it, you know, it sort of makes more interesting, you know, gives you a reason to watch more games, you know, uh, watch more players um, and, and everything like that. Uh, the second big initiative is NIL, obviously game changer um, in, in a lot of ways, that whole, uh, you know, it's very wild west uh, feeling, which is, which is um, there's good and bad with it. But I think for a company like us, it's actually a, a good thing um, that it's not too established. We're like, we're not having to go in and like disrupt things, right? Like us, us sort of disrupting the, you know, traditional marketing uh, agency sort of model. It, it took, took a lot of, not that it doesn't take work now, but it, you know, it took, it took a lot of work, a lot of hustle, a lot of conversations, uh, you know, to get, you know, Carlos Boozer and then Nate Robinson and, and all these guys to sort of, you know, trust us and everything. And again, a lot of that was because of um, Polo uh, Kerber, who's our <laughs> head of talent. I mean, the guy is uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, he relates these guys very well. He very personal with them. And then, you know, like every other sort of big relationship like there, it all comes down to, you know, trust and, and, you know, spending time around people that you like. So, um, but, but with NIL, it's, it, it's sort of set, everyone was at the same level, right? Like before, July 1st, everyone was starting out at zero or they, they, you know, they were supposed to, I'm not going to suggest that uh, people were signing people beforehand, but you know, it was like July 1st, there was like some pretty big deals coming across, mm-hmm. you know, coming across the wire. And it's like, like oh, day one. Yeah. yeah. It's a little yeah, interesting. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's interesting. Like you, you reserved like these, these kids were in Times Square to announce a partnership with a big brand and like, Oh, lo and behold, like it's on, you know, the on like July 2nd. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was like oh, midnight July 1st. Yeah. No, midnight. July 1st. It was like, a, yeah, no, it yeah. came across July 1st. And then like 12 hours later, you know, in times square, they're, they're announcing partnerships and stuff. You're like, Oh, like, yeah, you know, like, okay. So in 12 hours, you managed to sign with an agent and <laughs> sell through a six figure deal. I mean, yeah. I mean, good on them, but something's up, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not saying one way or another, but uh, <laughs> anyways, but no, I, yeah, everyone, everyone's basically on the, on the same, you know, on the same playing field there. So, um, you know, Polo and, and our number two guy, Grant, um, you know, they, they actually know some of these players personally. Um, so, you know, you know, come that day, uh, you know, we started reaching out to people, um, you know, college kids, as you do these days via DM uh, and everything, you know, there's not, phone numbers published you're not really talking going to the coaches and in most cases 
And uh, yeah, we, you know, we started bringing on athletes. I think we had like eight or nine that, that first day and then, you know, flash forward 11 days since then. And, and we're at about, uh, I think we're just, I think we're at like 25, 26. And then, you know, we have another like 15 to 20 uh, that we're pretty confident we'll, we'll be on board there as well. It's just, you know, everything's like a, a bit of a process, right? Like some, some kids are ready to sign immediately. Um, some you have to talk to their coaches Some you have to talk to their families. Uh, most of them, yeah, you talk to their families and it's good. And then it's all a, you know, it's all a very, very good thing there. Uh, but again, we, we knew it'd be a focus of ours. Like we knew that, you know, our end game isn't necessarily the same end game as a lot of other ones, which is, you know, where you see these kids signing with these sort of more well-known agencies, uh, you know, you know that that agency, their end game isn't to go sell a few hundred thousand dollars, you know, worth of uh, endorsements and sponsorships, you know, for the kid while he's, you know, there another year before he goes pro, you know, and they take their whatever, five, 10% cut, 20%, whatever it is, you know, their end game is basically like, well, let's, let's get in good with him now. And then when he goes pro, you know, in theory, we'll have a leg up and, and get handling his pro contracts and all that good stuff. Um, and there is a lot there that says like they, these big agencies can sign these, these players, but like, it can't be contingent on them. Um, you know, having to use them when they go pro now, you know, are there things that are probably going on behind the scenes? Like, yeah, but again, not our problem. So our, our end goal isn't that like our end goal is to, you know, work with the athletes directly. Um, you know, it's a business. So, you know, we want everyone to you know, make money, right. That's, that's, it's very important. Uh, but, but it's really like cultivate these relationships, you know, find them endorsements, find them sponsors. But what we're really good at as well is, uh, you know, we, we know how to build um, players brands and, and over, over, you know, platforms that matter, you know, TikTok, uh, Snap, and, and definitely Instagram. So, you know, beyond just finding them endorsements and sponsors, you know, we're, we're working directly and, you know, creating like snap series around them and Instagram series around them, right. To tell their journey, not so much like the highlights of them on the field or whatever, because everyone sees that, uh, you know, these, these, these players and, 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 you know, I keep calling them kids because they are, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not the same as, you know, a Tom Brady uh, or, you know, like a Randy Moss. Well, Randy Moss actually was sort of ahead of the game. You know, they're not the same as the players that we grew up with and everything there. Right. Like they understand that there's a ton of value in your own personal brand uh, in you, you know, your own Instagram uh, and then everything there as well, where like, yeah, you're going to get some endorsements for your on the field play. And if, you know, if you're winning Super Bowls, like, yeah, like you're going to get those endorsements, but man, you know, if, if, if you're not winning Super Bowls, even if you are like, there's a ton of value there. If you can have a really good engaged social following and like, wow, you know, how much more marketable are you as well is if you can show that you're not just, you're, you're, you're well, and everyone is well-rounded beyond just being a football player. Right. But that story has never really been told until very recently to be like, Hey, like, you know, these NBA guys, like, yeah, they're going out and getting triple doubles, like once, once every two weeks, but they're, they're going on Twitch. Like they're jamming out there. They're playing video games, call of duty and all that. And like, Hey, these guys actually are, would be really fun to, to hang out with and then everything there. So you know, this whole new crop of athletes, like they know it and you, you know, they're, they're fun. Like they are fun to hang out with and they are, you know, have cool hobbies and all that as well. So we'll be creating series around them about, you know, things they want to want to do. Like some of them want to do series around video gaming. And it's like, cool, you know, we, we can do that, you know, mm-hmm. have you interact with fans on there? Like someone to do it, you know, about, you know, their, their workout and their eating and, and their different passions. So we're creating content around that and like making money on it too, because, um, you know, the platforms sell ads into it and we, we sell it to sponsors and everything there. Uh, you know, one of the other things, cool things we're doing is we're doing a bunch of merch collaborations, which I think is like 
phenomenal on a lot of, a lot of levels. So, you know, if you have this, you know, top 10 quarterback in the country that plays for a, you know, major, uh, you know, major program, there's all, there's already going to be a lot of demand from the alumni and the fans to like buy anything they can snatch up anyways with, with that player uh, on it. But, you know, if they can inject their own sort of personal brand and style into it as well and make it sort of a cool piece of fashion that people want to wear, you're sort of hitting people, you're, you're just expanding your audience. So like, you're not only just selling it to, like I went to Oklahoma. So it's like, you know, if uh, Spencer Radler had the t-shirt, I'd, you know, think about buying it or whatever, but that's because I'm a fan, but you could actually then hit a, a totally new fan base as well of all your Instagram followers and everything there as well. So if, you know, the guy's like a big video game guy, he could have a video game themed one. If he's doing DJ stuff, like it could be like a DJ themed one or, or whatever. If he's a workout guy, like it could be like a CrossFit style one where it's not necessarily about him on the field, um, it, it's about him as, you know, that, that player is a person, that player that, that has, um, you know, other hobbies, other interests and, and all that as well. And you create these sort of, um, collaborative, uh, merchandise things that again, it's, it's, you get people wearing your, your, your sort of own personal brand. So that's cool. And then, you know, it, ma- it makes people money, um, on that as well. And then, um, I think that's a couple of the more unique things we're doing. And then we're going to be starting podcasts with some of these guys. Uh, you know, we're doing some pretty, you know, unique, sort of in venue sort of appearances and signings and, you know, at those as well, they'll be able to, um, they'll be able to uh, do their, you know, sell their merch, um, you know, it, you know, do stuff like that, interact with fans directly. Um, and, and yeah. And again, it's, it's, you know, our, our end game on that is not just to, you know, again, keep them around for a year. Uh, you know, we want to continue their journey as well as they go into the pros, you know, hopefully continue to work with them on that as their brand continues to grow, but you know, the guys that don't go into the pros, you know, they, they, you know, Hey, they may have a brand. They may, you know, just create a, you know, career out of like being a quote unquote influencer online. I, you know, there's a, there's a couple of guys we've worked with, like, uh, you know, destroying and Dockery, um, destroying famous because, you know, he started doing YouTube stuff while he was a uh, punter at college and he doesn't call him a punter. Like doesn't do him justice. Like he's a free mm-hmm. athlete, you know, he's like, He's going like one-on-one against NFL guys doing like one-on-one drills, like wide receiver versus uh, defensive back. Uh, but, you know, his, his YouTube channel started taking off and he had to make sort of a decision of, you know, do I do this and make a few bucks or do I like, you know, sort of continue my career in college? And he was like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to do this. This is going to make me money. This is what I want to do. And I'm passionate about it. And he did that. And, you know, uh, the college told him to clean out his, you know, clean. he had to be out of his dorm and out of school within like two days because it sort of violated that. So, uh, but bringing it back here is, you know, with these athletes, like, yeah, a lot of them are going to go pro. Like we hope to continue to work with them, you know, throughout their pro career, like continue to do their off the field marketing. Uh, but then, you know, the ones that don't, um, you know, hopefully they've, they've built a brand themselves and, you know, if they can't sort of go in full time to the influencer, whatever sort of side of things, um, you know, there's still brand value there and we can bring them brand deals. You know, we continue to do merch lines with them, podcasts, uh, all that as well. So it's, it's, um, I don't know. We, we think it's pretty authentic is, is what I think it comes down to. The overwhelming consensus is that it's going to be really good for the, the all sports, right. In college. Yeah. Uh, and I would reckon that obviously a brand like playmaker would definitely agree with that. Um, there seems to be a pretty big name image and likeness dilemma right now with the, the overall spend in the sports world. Um, you know, there's a lot of money getting tossed around in sports and now it's all going to the schools, right? You know, if a, if a company wants to market to, uh, you know, into the college sports world, they're going to the school and saying, here you go, here's our money. Here's a sponsorship, sponsorship package. But 
now there's a little bit of a dilemma where if the brand ops, the sponsor, the athlete, you know, where's that, how does the school make up that money? Right. So this has to be at least a little bit of a concern for, from a chief revenue officer's perspective, you know, um, is this going to open more doors or is this just going to kind of have to, you know, is this going to create more problems uh, between who's going to spend their money where basically? No, I mean, I, I think, I mean, the, I'll be honest, like the schools don't know what they're doing at, on this. Yeah. Um, well, that's it, right. They've had, their, they've had their head in the sand for so long. And like, they're all coming out now, like pretending like they're for it and everything. I was, I was in a, uh, I, I can't, I probably can't reveal names because like, I guess part of the clubhouse rules. Yeah. Oh, no names. About, We're good. Talk about, talk about who was in it with you or, or whatever. But like, I was in one, I was in one the other day and I was, I was taught, chatting with him a bit and, you know, one was like a, a former commissioner and one was a, a pretty major um, coach, right? They're both like, ah, oh, this is like the greatest thing ever. And, oh, we support it, you know, all that. And, and you're just like, nah, you don't though, because you knew this was coming for three years. You didn't have anything in line. And like, there was two things that like, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Like the one was like, well, our main goal is like, we want to, we want to make sure like kids aren't getting exploited. Like we don't want them to go into like a local barbershop and like, you know, do an appearance there for like 50 bucks when they should be getting more than that. And I would, you know, I was kind of like, well, that that's bullshit. Like it's, it's so hypocritical for the NCAA of all organizations to talk about exploiting athletes. Right. I mean, they've been, oh making, they've been making billions on these kids forever. You know, it's like the Reggie Bush shit, but it's beyond the Reggie Bush stuff. I mean, there's kids getting jammed up because they, they ate one too many meals. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you know, where they accepted like a hundred dollars, like gift card to go eat some meals and all that. And like, you know, when you bring in football to the equation, like you're, you're literally shortening people's lives and you're not paying them. Uh, so that's, that's garbage. And like, you know, the NCAA and the conferences can say whatever they want. They're, they're, ter- they're, they're upset because like their, their cash cow is, is gone. And then like, you know, another guy mentioned, he's like, well, like, you know, this, this could be trouble. Cause like, you know, these kids may not know how to pay taxes. And if they don't pay taxes on their earnings, like who's going to do it. I have to like teach them how to pay taxes. And it's like, Again, he had three years, like put together a, a, a PowerPoint, show it to them. Right, right. Give them the right resources. Yeah. Least, right. Like get the right people that are smart enough to, and intelligent to, to talk about these things in front of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of, it's actually kind of dismissive too. anything about it. They're like, oh, these, these athletes won't, they won't be smart enough to figure this out. It's like, well, a lot of them were actually working in high school. Right. Like a lot of other kids in, in college, uh, you know, we were working for, you know, from 18 to 22. Right. And like, yeah, sometimes you're working at companies where the tax is taken out, but like a lot of times you're not right. And, you know, you got to report them and, and all that. So it's just like, you can't like fake being concerned about this again, what they're, they're really concerned about is like how it affects their bottom line. They also during that time too, instead of actually figuring out how they're going to do this, like, I don't think there was anything that would prevent them from going to a sponsor and being like, hey, like, we know you already spend like $5 million with us a year, but like, you know, maybe we should preliminary talk about this. I don't know if this was legal or not, but again, like nothing I think would have prevented them from going to like Chick-fil-A and being like, okay, you're, you're cutting our university $5 million a year. When these kids come online, like we're going to, you know, funnel like half of that to them or whatever. And like, we'll get you five of them or, or each player is going to get $5,000. I mean, the Miami, the Miami thing was genius, right? It's yeah. such a genius thing, but that wasn't the university. That was, that was the guy deciding to do it, like go out of his way and do it. Cause if he would have went to Miami, Miami would have taken like 80% of it and they would have given each kid like 500 bucks and everyone would have looked like a winner there. So I'm not, you know, for us, it's, it's not our only business. Like talent is, is, you know, it's an important piece for us, but it's like one of four pieces. Right. So I'm not really concerned with us having to compete against these kids schools. Um, 
you know, a successful campaign for us is, is it's at a much lower bar than, than, you know, these schools. Um, we know how to sell it better than these schools, um, you know, who again are, are have been focused along in sort of the, the sponsorship type thing and oh, come out here and throw a football during halftime and, you know, we'll charge you a quarter million dollars for that. And like, you know, if they're doing something on social, it's usually pretty, pretty half-assed. So, you know, will the schools eventually catch up to that? Like, sure, if they're smart enough to hire the right people. Uh, but in the meantime, like the, you know, these athletes are going to realize their worth. And then, you know, some of these sponsors can be like, you know what, we're just going to, we're going to go to somebody that's going to coordinate it with all these athletes. And there'll be a few more of those Miami deals. And it's, it's a smart deal. It's the smartest deal a brand could do. If you're a brand, like go do that, go sponsor one of these teams and like get each kid on the team, like a thousand bucks. And if you want to get the quarterback to do more then you know, give him 25,000, but it's such a great brand equity when you're sort of helping everyone scholarship athletes, star athletes, but then the non-scholarship walk-ons and everything um, as well. But there, there's just so much out there. And like brands are also smart too. They know that, you know, they, they want to go, they want to go with the, the player that has, you know, a few hundred thousand Instagram followers. It's like really good, really engaged with them. Everything there as well. There's like a ton of marketplaces out, out there too already that have already been created that connect brands to specific players um, and, and things of that nature. And, and frankly, there's, there's so much money that is just out there that flows in, uh, you know, to the sports side of things. And then the influencer side of things, um, it just opens up that much more because I think there's a lot of brands that want to invest in, in college football, but you know, the, the, the secret that no one ever talks about is the demographics for college football are terrible. It's old. Um, it's not the most diverse. It's like concentrated in the South, a little too rural, nothing wrong with any of that on its face, but, a lot of brands don't want that. You know, they, they want, they want the, those people already set in their ways. You know, they want the 18 to 35. They want, you know, they want in the cities, uh, you know, the more, the more major markets where like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're um, Starbucks or McDonald's, like there's, there's one within walking distance five miles away. Whereas if you're Starbucks and you're going after someone in like rural Alabama, they, they're not going to drive 75 miles to see you. And then, and then, you know, and more diverse audience, everything as well. Like the, going to the players and going to their social handles directly, like you're going to hit America right there. You're not going to hit America by dumping a bunch of money into like stadium sponsorship and TV sponsorship. Like you're just, you're not hitting it. You're hitting an older demographic, a very concentrated demographic there anyway. So I think if anything, this is just going to flow more money into it because the TV sponsorship and the stadium sponsorship, there's still value there. They'll lose a bit because, you know, Chick-fil-A will take X percent of that and funnel it down to the players. But a lot of this is going to be coming from new advertisers. You're already, you're already seeing it. A lot of these brand deals that have already been announced, it's, it's from advertisers that haven't spent a penny on college football or college basketball before. So I, I think, you know, if, if the teams and the coaches and the athletic directors and the NCAA actually look at it proactively, there's going to be more money flowing in everywhere um, if they're smart about it. But if they want to continue to push against the tide, then so be it. Like, we'll be happy. The players will be happy. And like, I'm not going to shed any tears for any of these coaches making five, six, seven, eight million bucks a year. Yeah, exactly. Whining, whining about teaching their players how to pay taxes. It's like, if you can't teach, you know, if you don't want to teach them that, like how the, how the fuck are you going to teach them anything else? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you make a very good point about that. And it's definitely something that we, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what this is going to look like next week or the next year or when, you know, fall, especially like basketball and football start coming into play in the fall. 
you know, how big this is actually going to get, but we are excited to see what Playmaker does and the content that is created out of that. Um, we got a few more minutes left on the show. Let's dive back to yourself. Um, you know, you have quite the impressive resume and you touched upon it early in the interview that you didn't know what you wanted to do. You were, you know, torn between a couple different directions and you had a few different interests. So what advice would you like to give to individuals who are in similar shoes that you were once in that didn't know what they wanted to do and help them to succeed, to be in a place that you are today? Yeah. I mean, you know, looking back, uh, I, I think one thing would just be like, it's cliche, but it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, get your college degree or blah, blah, blah. It, it's important. Right. Like, it, you know, it's, it's, I think it's like twofold, right? Like, well, not, I guess not everyone like wants to go to college or whatever, but it's like, if you're going to commit to something like, like college, like go there, good, good grades, like give yourself options. Like you always want to have like options, uh, you know, sort of, sort of, you know, at that point, right. Like you want to have the option to, in my case, like move, you know, find a company that, that moved me to New York city, even though it didn't really pay much, like they still moved me out there. Right. I could have been stuck in, in Oklahoma forever and it, whatever. I don't know what I'd be doing right now. Uh, but the other thing is like, you know, f- follow your passion. Like, you know, if you're really passionate about something uh, you know, in, in, especially in like 2021, like there's no, ex- there's no reason, there's really no excuse. Like why you can't, why you can't follow that. Like I had a passion there to, I wanted to be like a sports thinker. I wanted to be in like sports talk radio. I, I you know, I busted my ass. I got like a free internship at the local, sports radio station there. And, and I wanted nothing more than to, to go and get a job there. But it's, you know, there was like two main sports radio stations in Oklahoma and it doesn't take long to figure out, uh, you know, like, I don't want to wait around 15 years and maybe get a shot at one of these jobs. Like every show is by like an ex Oklahoma athlete. Right. And like, if you were sort of in line for the next one, you could easily be surpassed by like some other Oklahoma athlete that was like, Hey, I want to get on the radio. And they're like, yeah, like Jason white, or not that he's even on the radio, but you know, like Heisman guy, you know, the Heisman trophy winner, we'll give him a show before we give someone that sort of earned it. Um, so like, if you're in that, like, you know, you know, you guys started a podcast. I mean, that's sort of the beauty of it. Like if you want to get into, you know, sports radio or sports podcast, I think it's a lot easier these days. So, so do it, like find the time, do it, do what you're passionate about. You know, if you're not passionate about that, um, you know, f- find something you're passionate about and like dedicate, dedicate time to it. I mean, it's, it's the gig economy or whatever you want to call it, but I, I think our generation and the generations, especially, you know, after us, um, you know, they're sharp. They know how to like manage a day, you know, even if you're working like 50 hours a week, like just doing a job that everyone has had to do, like you have to, you know, you have to pay rent, you have to pay bills. Like <laughs> you want to take someone out on a date once in a while. Um, but, but, you know, find that extra time and like build towards something you want to do, like start something, join other people, like go advise for other companies, uh, you know, stuff like that. Cause you know, right now, um, you know, playmaker is not my only thing. I, I, it's my full-time focus or full-time job, but I advise for a, a podcast company. I've been doing it for a couple of years called blue wire. I advise for a, a football league called American flag football league. I, I do some investing with startups. I, I sort of mentor other people sort of, sort of in the space. So I would, I would say to wrap it all up is like, don't, don't think you just have to do one thing uh, for your career at, at any given time, whether you're 15 years in like me or whether you're in college and trying to figure out, you know, what you're doing. Um, yeah, go, go get a job, you know, sort of do whatever you need to do to, to make some money and, and pay what you need. But, but don't, don't ever sort of like give up that passion, uh, you know, that you want to do, you know, continue to network there. And uh, yeah, I would just, I would just say like, do what you want to do at the end of the day. And like, and if you can't do what you want to do, like at least find enough time in a given week to commit time, you know, time to the, what you want to do. I mean, I, I'm really into collecting cards 
uh, these days as well. And it's like, you know, some of the, some of the guys you sort of know from Twitter, you never met them, but you sort of like buy cards and sell cards to them. It's been encouraging because like a lot of them, like they're like, Hey, you know, we're making a few bucks now. It's kind of a boom right now. And, and you, you saw a few of them like quit, quit their jobs. They didn't like now they're just doing this full time. And it's like really, really encouraging uh, to see anyone do that. And like, yeah, it may not, you know, it may not work out and you may sort of go back to it, you know, go back to your job at FedEx or in my case, like the Hill tea company or the onion or whatever at some point. Uh, but, but it's worth it. It's worth trying something new and, and, you know, don't give up there either. Cause you could start, you could work for a few startups and five of them could fail. And that six one you go to could succeed. You could start five of your own startups and five of them fail. And that six one, uh, you know, could succeed as well. So, you know, Nice. That's, that's, that's something you want to do. Dedicate time. You want to do. Yeah. Simple advice uh, means it's yet so profound, right? So really interesting stuff. Uh, to wrap things up before we let you go, you got your twins hat on. We've got to give you a subtle dig because we're Yankee fans. So thanks for allowing us to just beat the shit out of you guys every time we walk into Target Field. We really appreciate it because we need it. Um, it's been tough for the Twins this year. What's the rest of the season look like? Uh, yeah. I mean. You know, it's uh, it sucks. Um, <laughs> oh no! No, I mean the Twins. No, I mean I've been at like all those games, like all those playoff games where we beat us in in New York and and all that. So it's I mean it's legendary, like the amount that we failed in in the playoffs. And you know there was always there was high hopes coming into this year, but you know coming off a of playoff berth and all that, and like it's it's been a it's been a disaster. You know, like a mix of injuries are part of it, but everyone deals with injuries. I think it was just like inaction on the front offices side of things, like thinking a bunch of players that had career years will followed up with another career is just a bad recipe uh for success um i was actually shocked to see how bad they're doing like you know i grew up you know i grew up in the late 80s like mid 90s and there were some awful 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 twins teams there i was surprised to see that through like it was like through 65 games this was like the sixth worst record they had ever had and i was like wow that's just impressive because there's some awful awful teams so the rest of the year it's you know it's like hopefully buxton gets healthy you know because he, he was having a breakthrough here uh I hate to say it, but they're, they're going to end up, you know, they're going to trade Cruz. They're going to trade these other players. Hopefully they trade Donaldson and, and, you know, I don't know if Barrios is going, but it's going to be sort of a, a rebuilding sort of thing where they're going to trade away a bunch of guys. But at the same time, we still have a pretty young core of, uh, of good players there as well. Like we've had a couple of rookies uh, in the outfield step up, have good years. And as you know, as Yankee fans, there's really no such thing as like a long-term rebuild anymore in, in major league baseball, unless you're totally garbage. Um, so I think this year, what I'm looking for is just, you know, see what the core is, like see who the young players who step up are, like see if we can have like one pitcher at least in the bullpen that we can count on next year <laughs> and then, uh, and then go there. But no, it's a tough year for Yankee fans. I'm not, you know, I haven't really, I don't, I don't hate the Yankees or anything, but I don't, I'm not losing any sleep over the Yankees struggle. And it's funny to see everyone whining about the Yankees too. Cause it's like, well, you're still 500. Like you still have a very good chance to make the playoffs, but it's just like the, the hand wringing that's going on and like people freaking out. It, it's pretty funny to see it from this side. Yeah. Don't get us started. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if that, we can have a whole segment on just the Yankees woes, but and I don't want, and to. I, yeah, <laughs> no. but besides the twins, what other sports affinities do you have? I know you mentioned obviously Oklahoma, but uh, and then you also live in New York, but what other, you know, whether it's NHL, NFL, NBA, where do your uh, allegiances align? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I like every sport basically, but no, I'm a Vikings fan. Uh, you know, fo- everyone watches football, right? I also like Nebraska because I was born there for college football. Um, huge NHL hockey fan, obviously the Minnesota wild, 
NBA, you know, the Timberwolves are garbage. It's just like the worst franchise. <laughs> so I'll, I'll watch NBA, but it's, it's hard to get really invested in the regular season. Like I bought the whole package this year, excited about the Timberwolves chances. And then like two weeks in, I was like, I should have ordered it for the month because I didn't, I didn't turn in tune into like one more game the rest of the year. Oh, no. uh, and then I, I'm a huge motorsports fan, you know, like NASCAR, uh, I play a bunch of like daily fantasy sports via NASCAR. So that, that keeps me pretty focused on that sport, but I grew up, I grew up going to a lot of racing, uh, you know, with my dad and everything. So um, I watch all the series of NASCAR. I could name every driver in it. Uh, big F1 fan. I've gotten into F1, you know, last four or five years now that I have a baby that wakes up really early, like formula one's like the perfect sport. Oh, wow. uh, you know, I'm trying to get a bit more into uh, soccer uh because that's an early morning uh sport as well so watch a bunch of the euro and all that don't really I, I like arsenal but i don't have a big allegiance there um and then um yeah i mean any sport i mean i got really into like the australian uh australian rules football there during the pandemic because i was like the last sport standing i mean it wasn't that long ago but like there was like no sports on and like the afl the afl was like the last one for like a week and a half and like you know, me and some friends were staying up watching it, texting each other and stuff. And, and then I'll never, I'll never forget it. They like went and canceled one of the, like the season in the middle of one of those half times, And we were just like devastated by yeah. that. And I think like Korean baseball was the last thing left too. And like, I was, I, yep. yeah, I was waking up at like 6am and you know, they, you could actually stream some of the games and everything there too. So uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. There, there's not many sports. I don't, I don't like. Um, and then obviously watch college basketball uh yeah you know i follow What's your college basketball team i like i like iowa state because my dad went there uh oh. I'll, I'll i'll root for oklahoma too but iowa state you know i've always had a you know fondness for them and, and uh they were good growing up you know like fred took baylor toe-to-toe this year too mm-hmm. never forget that second conference game they uh they were leading most of that game yeah that's that's good memory that was like the only good thing that happened i mean they're terrible this year but uh, yeah they were like two and 16 at that point too so whatever <laughs> But they're usually a good program, you know. I mean, they yeah. make the tournament a lot. And they've they've made, you know, they've I they haven't made the final four in my lifetime, but they've made the sweet sixteen a lot and the elite eight a time or two. And yeah, it's, it's a loaded big twelve mm-hmm. now, too. I mean, you've got look at the powerhouses out there. Baylor, Kansas, you know, it but you can go on, right? But it's it's nuts out there. Yeah, no, it uh it's it's it is. Nobody talks about it either. Like, you know, it's always like big east and ACC and, and stuff, but like, yeah, the big, the big 12, they, they found their groove. I mean, it's, and they built, they, they knew they could do it because there was Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma's pretty good. Like, you know, they, 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 they've made a few final fours in my lifetime and they're in the tournament quite a bit. Like, you know, you have like Trey young and Blake Griffin, like there's like legitimately good players. Um, but yeah, it's stacked. I mean, that's, that's sort of thing. Like someone has to come in last place. Uh, and, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, the cyclones, unfortunately this year was the cyclones, but they'll, uh, you know, it's, it's all cyclical. So they'll, they'll be back. Yeah. I like that cyclical after cyclones. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not, I wish, I wish I could say the same about Nebraska football because they're just a dumpster fire. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The Huskers it's man, it's been tough. Yeah. Huh? But college football too. It's like, you got five teams now and that's oh it. Oh my God. <laughs> like, well, if you're not Alabama, you're not winning it. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I I own a sports bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with a, a few partners, and it's like, you know, I'm I'm I've gotten more into to Michigan football just because our business is sort of relying on it mm. a lot. Uh, you know, Michigan sports, but you know, you always think of them as a as a good team. But I didn't realize they've won like their record against Ohio State, and like I think they've won like one out of the last like fifteen or six. Bad. It's bad. It's like. Uh, that's freaking insanity. You're like, that, there's no reason why that that should even be 
the case, uh, but it is. So yeah, college football is weird. I mean, it's just so top heavy and like, you know, what these, what these programs have found is like, they found what like Clemson's doing it now, like Bama has been doing it forever. Ohio state. It's just like, they'll have blips once in a while, but, but not really. And now them going to a 12 team playoff, which I, I don't really know if I like it or not. They're just, they're never gonna have a down year. Like Ohio state's never gonna have a down year. Cause like worst case scenario is like, they'll be like a nine seed and they'll still probably win a game and it's not going to hurt their prestige or anything. So before we let you go, are you happy that it's coming Rome or did you want the, the Euro title to come home? Uh, I mean, I was rooting, I was rooting for England. I mean, I guess mm. my last name is English. Yeah, I, I probably have some like, <laughs> that checks I, out. I, I, uh, listen, there is a long suffering fan base. And as a twins fan, you know, we won, I was there in 91 when we won, but that was a long time ago. And then the Vikings never won. I was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, England, like they care about it. Like they, there's a lot of passion there and everything and then you know the way they lost was just like it's you know, tragic you know and then obviously like everything that happened afterwards is awful and terrible on, a, on you know everything else and you're kind of like well like actually fuck them they didn't deserve to win it the, that fan base but no I was, I was rooting for them and you know it was a it was a good game and I, I do think that ending a championship or any knockout game on penalty kicks is just like I think it's like the worst thing oh, yeah sports. yeah because that's just luck at that point that's not skill yeah, and it's such a – I get if you're doing it in, like, earlier rounds and stuff like the NHL does, but I don't know what the solution is. But, like, I don't have them play another 90 minutes, and if it's still tied, like, have them come back tomorrow. Like, nobody would compl- – like, <laughs> That would actually be pretty cool. Yeah. You think ESPN would complain if, if like, they had, to sh- they had to do another 90 minutes of that final, like, today? Like, they would have figured out how to, like, get pardon the interruption, like, preempted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, That's funny stuff. Uh, weird tournament too. It was uh, England and Italy. Good for Italy though. It's awesome. Um, ladies and gentlemen, David Woodley. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, happy we got to hear what Playmakers all about and uh, the good stuff that you guys are up to. Floor is yours. Uh, where can our listeners find you, and where can they engage with your content and Playmakers content? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you go to home of home of Playmakers dot com, uh, that'll that'll lead you to uh, sort of everything we do, um, you know, it'll lead you to our Instagram channels and snap channels and, you know, like you buy some cool merch uh, and everything there. But, you know, if you go to a couple of our main channels on Instagram is Instagram.com slash sports, which is a, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. It's a great uh, URL. We snagged early on and sort of squatted on. So Instagram.com slash sports, our Instagram.com slash playmaker. Uh, we also have at, playmaker uh bets uh which is our new betting channel um you know that's it's sort of where to check us out uh and then uh you know myself if you want to follow me on twitter uh d woodley 85 um but it's mostly uh sports betting takes and and sports card takes Mm -hmm. so uh but no no check us out a playmaker uh you know give us a follow and uh yeah hopefully hopefully find some good content there and you know, if you ever want to collab with us as well, like we're pretty, pretty easy to work with. I mean, we are, are bringing people on in, in terms of like third-party content and other creators are just hiring people full-time. It's like a three-week, not, not three-week, like three-day process. <laughs> like if we like something, we typically come to an agreement pretty quick. So if you just want to email me at david at homeofplaymakers.com, uh, you know, shoot over any ideas or any sort of collaborations, or if you want a job or internship or advice, you know, or, uh, we're, happy, we're happy to chat with anybody. Beautiful. Well, David, thank you very much. We appreciate the information. Appreciate your story, all your takes on everything. Uh, We wish you the best of luck with everything, and we hope to uh, 
keep in touch and uh, maybe have some future partnerships in the near future as well. So thank you again. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me spill my guts there for the last hour plus. Uh, no, I appreciate it. It was, it was a great meeting. And like, yeah, definitely um, chat in the future for sure. And that was just David Woodley, uh, C-Suite executive. Go the home of playmakers. It's uh, it's an interesting concept. He's a very smart guy. We will not be seeing the last of them. They're going to be growing. I'm excited to see their content. I mean, it's nice to find, uh, not uh, just like not even like truthful or not. That's like not the word I'm saying. Just like a new creative outlet that you can just see something from a different perspective. Um, they're very big into basketball, and that's something that. Each and every season, I'm trying to get more into, which is one of those sports that I followed loosely as a kid and like got more involved in like high school and college and now post-college life. So excited for their content. And it's going to be cool to see what they do with college athletes because that is a whole new ball game. And if we can start seeing some college athletes produce interesting content as well, whether it's health related or pop culture related, it'll be, it'll be some cool stuff. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Um, it's like... I don't know when you did we just miss the cuff, I guess is what I'm trying to say of being basketball fans. You know, we're 97 babies, right? Yeah. We were born in 97. I feel like everyone that was born in 2000 afterwards is just way more into basketball. Yeah. So I'm wondering if our generation like just barely missed out, like, you know, on, on being that diehard, you know, where NBA is the first thing that shows up because it generates the most money. Sure. But it's like, we might have just missed it. Yeah, I mean, back then, America's pastime was baseball, and football was in one of those biggest, like, come-up eras of, like, this is, like, you have your Lawrence Taylors and your, you know, Tom Brady's and all of this kind of, like, those caliber players. Um, and our parents, you know, were more interested in baseball and football, kind of just, like, again, a generational thing. But basketball, I mean, you had some very, very talented people, Hall of Fame caliber people before we were born. Well, I was going to say, and even then, like the year we were born, Michael Jordan was carving it yeah, up. Yeah, Jordan was going he for was... the three-peat. And like, then the early 2000s, you have Shaq and Kobe and Tim Duncan and the start of LeBron. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's unfortunate that we didn't miss it. But this new game is, is very interesting. I mean, it's more enjoyable. It's more watchable. It's that you know, those crazy flashy dunks and the countless three-pointers, it's 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 catching the eye. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily the sport that's doing all the winning. It's just the fact that the league is very open to people sharing their content. And you have, it's, it's a players-friendly league and it's a very fan-friendly league too. Yeah. That's, I think, what did it more, just the rise of social media. You've got the younger kids that are, you know, they just started earlier than we did on Twitter and TikTok, yeah. obviously, and Instagram and all that. Players so. get to, you know, customize their shoes and yes. wear certain things and be able to be a little bit more, you know, flashy and personable, whereas, like, baseball, it's, like, very clear-cut. and It's like, oh, know. shit, you're wearing, you know, striped cleats. You yeah, get fined fine $9 billion. Fucking stupid. But that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, the NBA has expressed so much, right? They're, they have allowed players to express themselves way more than any other league has. I think football's getting a little bit better, but still they're far behind, you know, and it's, you know, hockey you don't really see because it's just lower market in general, but, um, you know, basketball's a clear-cut winner in terms of I'm a player, I get to express myself however I want, I can sell my own merch, I can wear whatever the hell I want on my cleats, I can support whatever cause I want, I can donate to whatever I want mm -hmm. to. That's intriguing to people in this day and age for sure in 2021. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just being involved in, like, the alcohol market too, it's like you have all these players now invested in booze and 
Also mm -hmm. still being able to invest in the health stuff and do all this pop culture, be like actors and commercials and stuff. They are, they are just being able to market yourself. I mean, everyone in the world knows who LeBron James is. Not everyone in the world knows who Mike Trout is. I know. And maybe, you know, it's, we're still far away from Otani, obviously, but like, you know, it's going to be something similar like that where not everyone's going to know who this, you know, Japanese import is in baseball that's, you know, changing the sport. You know what I just thought of for the NBA, too? I really want to see Converse come back. I really want to see Converse, Converse. sponsor some athlete because it was the most popular shoe when Michael Jordan started. Converse had all the shoe deals. I wonder if they make a comeback. That's just a... Yeah. That's just perfect. I feel like it's too trendy now. It is a little too trendy, which sucks because yeah. maybe they can come back in and be like, oh, fuck, look at how much money is to be had. Because we were the shoe provider of the NBA back yeah. in the day. We know that. But back in the day, though, players were, like, soaking wet 150 pounds. I know. You know, a couple of years ago, freaking Zion busted through his shoe in college. And, like, <laughs> they were broke like, his ankle. They're like, oh, my God, there goes Nike. They're never going to sign Zion. And they were literally, there were talks of, like, oh, my God, does he have the right representation to sue Nike? Yeah. And I wonder if that would have changed now. If it were this year and he had signed a direct deal with Nike. Oh, yeah. If his shoe collapses, could he have sued Nike? Well, if his career ended, if it, like, altered anything, like, thankfully he wasn't hurt, but, you know, if he was this touted number one prospect amount to make $40 million on yeah, his first deal, plus all, all the endorsements, yeah, breaks his ankle and, like, never becomes the same player, next Greg Odom, like... That's a big what if. Yeah. That is a big what if. If Zion busts his ankle up and name, image, and likeness was a thing two years ago, man... Nike would be in some hot water. They'd recover. But, I mean, like, where the fuck would Zion be? That's a question. Yeah. Uh, abroad? In Europe somewhere? Maybe Who not knows? playing at all? Who knows? Maybe he'd be 6'7", like 400 pounds. Because hmm. he's, like, what, 6'7"? Uh, actually, he's probably 6'8". 6'8", 285 or something? I don't know. He's a big man. Please come to the Knicks. Um, let's go to Balls. Rapid Fire. Since we last recorded, the Milwaukee Bucks are 3-0. Are we the X-Factor for the Milwaukee Bucks? And more importantly, what happened this week that the Bucks are just such a, a different team? I've got my thoughts, but you go first. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Suns. They have just... Yeah, they just suck. You know, <laughs> I'm amazed. Game three, I knew the Bucks were going to take one. You know, one of them at home, whether it was the first or second game, I'm like, you got to give it to the box. It's the home, it's the home crowd. It's the advantage. It's they're they're coming playing with the backs behind their wall. And then the second game, I mean, they got very lucky. The Suns got very lucky that the refs gave them some very, 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 very lenient calls. I mean, Devin Booker in the fourth quarter pretty much smacked it out of out of Drew Holiday and hit him in the face, but no, no foul there. Going in, like, then losing two and evening it up, it's like, all right, what the hell? We got we to gotta win this in six. You know, you can't take it to game seven. And then losing that third, the game five, the Suns are in trouble. I don't know if they figured out the system. I mean, Drew Holiday has been playing lights out. I mean, now it's like, all right, that guy's respectable. P.J. Tucker, Rob, uh, is it Rob? No, it's Brooke Lopez. Yeah. They both are like, and Bobby Portis are like rejuvenating their careers. It's, it's insane. I love what Bobby Portis is doing yeah. out there. I mean, Giannis is still dropping 40 a night, so that helps. But the fact that like Devin Booker's also dropping 40 and they're losing, that's tough. That is tough. I will say 
I think, you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter now, but this validates kind of what I was going to say. Like, they are just totally lost, the Suns, when it comes to playing D against Giannis because they don't really they don't defend have this, him. Yeah, and they don't really have the size for that team either. They don't because, what, Bridges is playing the four for most yeah. of the time? I mean, Bridges is not like a—he's a big dude, but he's 6'7", and he's like a skinny guy that can shoot. He's not like a Giannis power yeah. forward, you know? Like Giannis and um, who's the other? Who's their small forward? Uh, Middleton. Um, Middleton, like those are big dudes. I know. Middleton's like probably what, six, seven as well. Yeah. And it's, you know, you they just have so much more size. And you had to think this was coming eventually because I mean the, the Bucks just were they look totally lost playing D too, but and at the end of the day, like they are controlling the game so much more because they're just so much bigger. And it's killing the Suns because they just don't have size. And that like they're they're just draped all over Giannis, but they yeah. keep fouling him. Monty Williams gets up there and bitches about how many free throws that Giannis gets, but they're fucking roughing him up. You know, he got 17 free throws the other night, and the Suns took 16 because the Sun or the the Bucks finally got their shit together defensively. That's what I was worried about. I didn't think it would happen, but we got to this point, point. Mm-hmm. and now the Bucks are up three two, and they've got one one game to win in Milwaukee. And if they do, it's it's done. So I hope it goes to seven. I do too. But that raises a question of, all right, it goes back to, you know, let's say the Suns win by five this time around. Is that enough for them to say, all right, let's build some momentum and let's go kick Milwaukee's ass in our home place? And that's a million-dollar question. I mean, one game at a time, they got to win six. they got to win game six. Exactly. they got to win game six. They have to win a tough game six in Milwaukee, too, because Milwaukee's been popping. Yeah. It's been really good there. They've, what, Suns are 0-3? Yeah, the Suns are 0 for their last three. Yeah. I'm happy if either team wins, but I'm pulling for the Suns. I think Chris Paul deserves a ring. Nice to see a young core like Aiden and uh, Booker to get one. But, I mean, Giannis is such a nice guy, and he's such a talented <laughs> player, so he deserves it too. He's I a good rep of basketball, yeah. I think. You know, he uh, besides taking nine billion hours whenever he takes a free throw, yeah. you know, cool thing that happened this past game is they do the 4K shots. And they count, you know, when they're in Arizona, they count, you know, they make fun of Giannis and go one, two, three, when he's at the free throw line, just to trip him up. The guy's taking $100 bills and counting and one, it. two, baller move. three. It's like, baller fuck, move. fuck you. It was cool, but like, fuck you. Baller, baller move. I mean. You're on 4K and you're whipping $100 <sighs> bills out while Giannis has taken free throws. I mean, that's pretty sick. I don't know how Giannis is so cool, calm, and collected at the line, too, now that everyone's counting. I mean, he is just drowning out the noise. He's, he was missing them to start, though. Like, those first couple yeah. of times, he was like, But now oh my people God. are counting. Like, now people are actually yelling it. It was like, it was at the point where, like, it was all over social media, like, yeah. stopwatches and just, like, counting at home. But now they're, like, shouting it at every stadium. Oh, it is awesome. And he's going to have that followed for the rest of his career. And I love it. I'm, yeah. And I'm, you know what? Just shoot under 10, though. It's I not know, that it's, fucking hard. Really, just, it's like, just shoot on. at, like, eight. Like, come take on. your goddamn dribbles. Look at the. He should practice shooting in under 10 seconds in the offseason he's not going i mean to, the but. fact that he's getting the calls early i mean he's not getting the calls at all like, i know yeah so i think i i do think phoenix can win it if it goes to game seven um i was damn wrong i said sons and five i think you said sons and six originally i mean we were sons and five sons and five but you said sons and five too yeah God, i thought I bucks were gonna get one yeah i don't know uh bucks bucks look good i I have a weird feeling Milwaukee's going to take it in seven. 
my revised pick. We'll check in next week. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to. Um, NHL expansion draft is going to be this week for the Seattle Kraken. Brand new NHL team. They just did an expansion draft a couple years ago for the Vegas Golden Knights. I want to get your thoughts. This is a good way to do it. Like to basically, so the way the expansion draft works now is every team can protect, I think 10 players total and it's either 10 or 11 and the expansion team can pick whoever the fuck they want. That's not on that protected list. What do you think about that? Well, I think it, I think it's six players and then everybody that you either trade for or trade to the other team slash sign is considered protected. Right. Or if a player signs, like a, if you re-sign a player or restructure a deal, it's considered protected. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you make some tough decisions. Again, it's not a football roster of 53 guys. It's a hockey roster of, what, 25, if that? I think that's even... Yeah, I, I, think I don't know so. the official number, Because what is it? It's four lines, technically. So, yeah, so four lines of five guys, that's 20 plus three goalies and two extra skaters. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So, again, like you have to make some tough decisions there. But it does help make this team not fall flat on their face right in the beginning. I mean, if you look at the Golden Knights, happened a few years ago. They have made the playoffs ever since their inception to the league. And they've been to the Cup, I think, two or three times. So I think it's just been once, but even still... No, I mean, they've it, been to the Cup at least really? twice. Really? Shit. At least twice. No way. That's wild. I don't know if they won any. No, they no. came in... Remember, they came in second um, the first year. They, they finished... They were runner-up. Um, I want to say the Lightning beat him, but I could be wrong. No, they, the Lightning see. didn't beat him. Yeah, they, they've been to two cups. They've been to two cups. So in their four years, they've been, you know, first, third, first, and second. Oh, wait, no, it's only oh, one no, cup. Sorry. sorry. It's, it's only one cup. So they lost in the semis to the Canadians last oh, okay. in the abbreviated shit. That's what screwed. They probably would have yeah. got there because everyone last year was like, oh my God, is that fucked the Knights' uh, yeah. chances? But either way, I mean, they landed a, a premier goalie in, uh, in Flurry. Yeah, Mark Andre Flurry. You know, who was just, yeah, he was in the later stage of his career, but came back and like provided so much leadership and just talent for the Knights. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets picked up. I mean, I'm not too fluent in hockey, but I'm seeing some big name players that are, you know, being possible candidates for the Kraken. And you see, you know, teams are making moves to like secure some players so they don't have to like record, like, um, protect them and so on. But going back to your original question, do I like it? Yes and no. I mean, it sucks for teams like the Red Wings. Um, the Rangers are kind of coming back up, but like teams that are just like trash, and like the now they're still stuck too. Like they're still at that bottom. They don't have anything to support them, and like draft picks aren't necessarily coming in. Like because they're like that's a true lottery. You know, you cannot tank for last place. You yeah. can be the worst record, and it really comes down to that ball. It's not like football where it's just like, yep, you're zero and fifteen, zero and sixteen, you get the first pick. So tanking doesn't necessarily work for hockey but in terms of like keeping that team competitive i think it's fun i think it's a gm challenge so it's cool to see that puzzle and like how players protect which teams protect certain players and what moves they have to make but i like it yep i i like this um i'm looking at the roster predictions right now and if these are true this is gonna be they're gonna be fucking good Oh, yeah. I see guys on this. I mean, like, you've got a guy, the dude on the Lightning. Um, I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, the first guy. Andre Palat, I think. Yeah. Um, he 
He was sick. He was very good. And I'm reading this article right now from Daily Hive. It's like they're going to lose an important core of their Stanley Cup team. And that's going to be a lot of these teams. Like you have Noel Achari, the, the Rhode Islander. You have um, you know Colin Blackwell from the Rangers. I see uh, who else? Jared Oscar, Mc- yeah, Oscar Lindblom. on the Penguins. Yep. JT Comfer from Boston. Yeah. He's, on the, uh, he's on the Avalanche now. Uh, Jason Dickinson from the Stars. Yeah. yeah. This, is a good, this is a good squad. This is a very good squad if the predictions come true. Obviously, the draft needs to happen. But, oh, yeah, the, Jesus Christ, they say P.K. Subban, too. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of washed now. Because they're not going to protect him. Vince That's Dunn on the Blues. Point. You get those, like, Roy. those things. Like, P.K. Subban's going to be the the flurry of the draft from a few, a few years ago for the Knights, like where they're not going to fucking protect him because he's 32 years old. Yeah. But it's going to be one that like, look at this. He's our captain. Like he's our guy. Yeah. That'd be sick. And just buying into the system too. I mean, Seattle is obviously a very cool city. It's an up and coming sport. I mean, not up and coming sports city or up and coming city, but there's a lot of buzz around Seattle. Like obviously you have the Seahawks and the Mariners are amped, but like, that people want the Supersonics to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, they were hyped to get a hockey team. Vegas ra- rallied behind a hockey team. It'll be cool to see how that expansion goes. Yeah, agreed. Um, close things out for balls, and we'll hit positivity corner. Um, Yankee Stadium, Yankee Sox gets heated always, and some jackass in left field takes a baseball, throws it at Alex Verdugo, the left fielder. He hits him, and the gentleman is banned for life at all 30 MLB parks. What a dumbass. Yeah. Don't yeah. throw shit at players. Stop feeding into all this crap. Um, yeah, just a dumb fucking move. Yeah, I mean, we don't know the full story yet on you know what took place. Either way, the public saw that he threw the ball, hit Verdugo. You know, some people saying it's Yankee fans. Some people are saying it's just an asshole move. Either way, I mean... This is something that's not new, not only in the series, but this whole season, whether it's baseball or basketball, you're seeing these fans who have been cooped up for over a year, which again, it doesn't make it right, but they're riled up, their emotions get past them, they do stupid things, whether it's interact with the fans poorly, curse at them, say negative things, throw stuff at them, spit them, whatever it is, it's just disgusting, it's uncalled for, doesn't need to be in anywhere, Um, it's just such a sad, sad thing, it's like we're finally like you know going past like all the covid stuff we're trying to look positive we're trying to like just enjoy a game we haven't a year ago we didn't have any sports so it's nice to get something back to do this and just to ruin it for everybody it's just a shame and you know good for the mlb on banning him my question is and again no disrespect or becoming rude on the situation but how does the mlb track banning somebody from all their stadiums so i saw that somebody tweeted they go how the fuck do they track this and I think there's like some kind of database where they have their info so but that like, they yeah. can, if they find out that someone's in the stadium, that they can penalize them because that's trespassing. Yeah. You know, that's the only reason they put that in place because obviously they're not going to spend the time like, you know, they're not going to have a board at all the gates. Like, no, yeah, yeah this but I'm just saying like, you know, you buy me a ticket and I don't buy a beer and I just put, sit with my hat like. Oh, no, the only way they'd ever be able to catch you is if they got tipped off and you're in the stadium and the cops come and be like, hey, you we're banned. Yeah. Like you're trespassing. We're arresting you. Yeah. I think it's just to cover their own ass. Cause you kind of have, to. I mean, again, you're embarrassed enough. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to go to a baseball game. And everyone knows in my personal circle that I'm there, but like, yeah, but who the fuck else is going to know? <laughs> That's yeah. I don't thing. know. Nobody else will know besides like, yo, I'm going to a baseball game and your boys will be like, wait, you, yeah, aren't you, you banned for you're, life? You're banned. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> like you can't go to a goddamn baseball game. You're banned, dude. You're going to get arrested. 
I, that's so funny. Um, so what do you think overreaction or fitting fitting? Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a fitting punishment. Cause like just stop throwing shit at people. I don't it's care how so drunk you dumb. are. What makes you think that's a good idea? What makes you like, dude, I'm going to like throw this and plunk Nick. Uh, no, I almost said Nick Castellanos cause that's what we're going to talk about next, but I'm going to plunk uh, Alex Verdugo and see what happens. Um, moron. And that's all. So let's end with some positive baseball news. Um, Nick Castellanos, we talked about him. I probably came up a couple weeks ago. Um, his son's making moves and going to make some money off of it too. Yeah, so uh, Reds right fielder, all-star, Nick Castellanos, driving deep into the field. But now um, Nick Castellanos and his son Liam well, are a good time yeah. to eulogize somebody, but there it is, the left field. Yes, his son Liam, they're teaming up with Cincinnati T-shirt company to raise money for a good cause. Um, he has created his own line called the Liam Castellanos Collection, featuring a drawing of the Red Slugger by Liam himself, according to the news partners at WCPO. Um, so it's this nice little drawing of his dad that he made um, – little you know bubble stick figure with the beer drawn in the reds hat um it was all over all-star weekend um his son design they brought it to the shops in colorado it's now in many different ballparks i believe including obviously the reds but each of those proceeds each part of the sale will be donated to a charity of liam's choice they haven't decided what the charity is but i mean the son is i think 12 years old like super young to so to come out with like this not only to like see his dream come a reality mm-hmm. if he wants to be an artist and you know or design merch like that's really cool but also to be like hey i don't need the money let's donate it to charity all around class classy move um this nick castiano just stays winning he does he just stays winning he's been like he's hopped around teams a little bit but this is cincinnati saying like all right dude are you want you're gonna stay here a long time. Like you're gonna be part He's of so this family. Good. He's so good. Too. He is very good, which sucks because that like is another guy that the Yankees like had on the tip of their fingers if they wanted him a couple of years ago. And the Cubs blew it too. Yeah, the Cubs really did blow it. They should have extended him. Um, this is awesome though. This is really cool. He was. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen the video of him freaking out over. You know, he finally saw his his work in Great American Ballpark. And uh, yeah, you can get a onesie. You can get like a three-quarter sleeve it's good stuff little artist much better than i would do uh that's for sure that's about all we've got what do we forget there's no crypto shit going on no, this week yet no but Although, i mean oh yeah, no, 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 no i was gonna say staying on the t-shirt topic might as well oh, talk yeah. about our own t-shirts and merch. merch we're gonna Absolutely. plug some merch we are in the merch business we are in the merch business we're merch guys we're merch guys now you asked, we answered. We have a lot, a lot of great designs. We're partnering up with a company called Squad Locker. Squad Locker is based out in Warwick, Rhode Island, rated one of the best startups in the Ocean State. They are helping us make our merchandise dream a reality. Go on to Shop Squad Locker. The link is in our website, and we'll post it on the uh, information in the bio and everything with the uh, episode. But Squad Locker has helped us create this merchandise. We have House Brewing Company, a little bottle logo. We have BBB Podcast. We have the Drink Local series. We have a bunch of different stuff. House Enterprise merch is real. Thank you to Squad Locker for helping us. If you head over to the website, though, go over to our tab that says the merch shop. You can choose between the different brands that we have, different types of shirts. We got hoodies, sweatshirts, quarter zips, hats, you name it, we have it. And if it's something you don't, if you see something that you like and you want it in a different color or they don't have your size or you're looking for a different style of shirt, 
let us know because we can add it to the shop. That's the great thing about Squad Locker. So we're really excited for that. More photos to come. Probably going to do some merch giveaways too. Mm-hmm. Make some buzz around that. But mm-hmm. all good, good things we're really excited about. So thank you to Squad Locker. Again, going back to the local, you know, the Ocean State, that shop local, that drink local, you got to help the small businesses too. And they are huge, huge spot, like the friends of the, uh, the Providence Pirates. Yeah. Providence Pirates use them. They just make a lot of great stuff, so we're excited to uh, partner up with them and help us make the merch. Yes, the merch shop. Um, I was going to say something funny about merch, and I forgot. So there you have it. That's what happens when we record after 11 on Sundays. Um, yeah, hit us. Oh, beer. We um, Don's early light. We owe everyone an update. We yeah. have shipped the Wonton Don, our beer and tea, which I'm sure everyone has seen on Twitter and Instagram by now. And it tastes fucking delicious. It's beer, tea, and like orange, orange mango juice, I guess. I shouldn't say like orange mango juice. That is what it is. Um, it's out the door. Wonton Don's going to get it probably this week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just cross your fingers and hope that everyone likes it. Because we, we are shipping beer. First of all, let's hope that it makes it there. And that doesn't get intercepted by, like, you know, the, the NSA. We didn't like, ship beer. We delivered it safely yes. through house brewing company licenses and everything correctly. We safely got the beer to Barstool HQ3 in New York City. Logistically, using our logistical resources. Yes. Sure. And, but either way, we are excited about this. I mean, we've been homebrewing now for almost two years, almost yeah, two full years. Close. You know, we have over a dozen beers now that we've made. We have stuff that we are interested in. We have stuff we're ready to try. We have great partnerships and, you know, mentors and people helping us and people trying it as well. This next step is is, is going to be huge, especially, you know, just connecting with someone like Donnie. Um, it was just a casual Twitter interaction. He was like, hey, is there a market for like a breakfast beer? And we joked around and said, yeah. And he reached out to us and was like, for real? And he told us what he wanted. He told us what he likes. And from there, we made a beer. We made a beer. And hopefully he enjoys it. Hopefully this is something for a continued partnership or just something that gets the name on the map. And we're very, very excited. So keep a lookout on Stool Scenes. Uh, stool scenes. Keep a lookout on our social media. We will uh, be sharing details very soon. And it tastes delicious, most importantly. Good beer for good people. That's, uh, that's what we're all about, right? So thanks for listening. As always, hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.